welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. Uh, my name is Neil Carberry, the Chief Executive of the REC. It's good to have you again uh, on our podcast, which is a series of discussions with opinion formers and people from across the industry as we think about how we navigate our way out of the current coronavirus crisis. Uh, it's been a busy week at the REC, some really good progress that you uh, might have picked up, but just to uh, just to mention clearly the big announcement from the Chancellor about the extension of the furlough scheme through to later in the year and the prospect of uh, some part-time use of it, a, a big push from uh, ourselves, business organisations and the trade unions around that, which will help, uh, which will help the transition uh, back to an economy working more like uh, normal, although there's some discussion there about uh, how part pay will work with uh, people returning part-time by employers. But on our own uh, recruitment specific patch, also some really interesting developments, finally got some holiday pay accrual guidance for attempts on furlough out from Bayes yesterday. That establishes the legal read that your REC team gave the scheme at the beginning. But do just make sure that uh, you have a look at that as it affects the attempts that you are choosing to furlough. And also some real, really good pro- uh, progress on making sure that uh, we can ramp up production uh, properly when things come back, particularly the a move made by the uh, Treasury on trade credit insurance, which hopefully will put uh, a hand under that market and make sure that you can properly credit insure against the clients that you're bringing back on stream through the summer. Most tellingly, of course, this week's all been all about how you return to work normally, particularly in England, which is opening up slightly faster than the uh, three devolved na- nations. As a, a great REC webinar that was done this week on uh, what you need to think about, about both reopening your own sites and what you need to be talking to clients about on sites where you're placing temps. Do have a look at have a look at that on the REC website. Uh, some really good guidance there, and there's lots of uh, good resources, both from ourselves and from the HSE and others, to help you start to do that risk assessment process to make sure that as and when you do start to open up sites, we do it in the right way to protect people and make the uh, return to work sustainable. For today, though, uh, we're going to look at the the path of the labour market over the next six, nine, twelve months. I'm delighted to be joined by Torsten Bell from the Resolution Foundation. Some of you may have heard of Resolution, really the think tank that's made the weather on some of our policy thinking around the labour market over the past few years. Torsten's been uh, uh, running the show for for much of that time, having come to it out of a career advising uh, senior politicians, including party leaders. Torsten, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Good to be here. Let's start with the big picture. If you were talking to a small or medium-sized employer who's thinking about how the jobs market might react to everything that's going on right now, what are the two or three big things that and uh, big trends that you'd pull out uh, for them to be thinking about? And maybe we'll dig into some of that. Uh, that's a big question. I mean, the main thing that we need to recognise about this recession is that it's just very different to what we're used to having seen in the financial crisis. And that is that this is a very jobs heavy uh, recession. We're seeing a lot of jobs lost. We're seeing them lost at a completely unprecedented rate. And obviously that reflects 
the pressure on firms at the same time. And that is one of the dangers I would say about the last 10 years is that the combination of unemployment having not risen as far as we expected in the financial crisis, still far too far, but nowhere near as far as we expected, given how deep the recession was, and the fact that we've had record employment for the last two few years, risks making people complacent about the, the job numbers in this recession. People will either be think, well, actually, the increase in unemployment won't be that bad, when in reality, we're already at heading towards a 25-year high. Or they will say, well, don't worry, uh, all the jobs will bounce back. People will easily reallocate to new kinds of work in Britain's flexible labour market. And both those things are dangerously complacent. I think that's a, a telling point. You know, we're we're very stuck um, in, in kind of the political and policy world of being influenced by the last war. Um, in this case, the the kind of high job retention and uh, story that we experienced through 2008-9, not that unemployment didn't take up, but it didn't take up in anything like the um, the way that people expected. And of course, there's a real risk that and that's embedded now because the government's taken some very sensible action to extend the ability of employers to keep their staff on through the job retention scheme. But there's a huge question about how and when that scheme unwinds and what support we offer to people who uh, are coming back into workplaces, but also people who might not be able to come back into workplaces. Yeah, that is a really important point, which is you know, rightly and understandably, a lot of the policy focus and almost all of the media attention is on what the government is doing with the job retention scheme. And to be fair, a lot of our focus at the Resolution Foundation as well. But we do need to remember there are a lot of people who are already unemployed. They've either exited self-employment or their firm has disappeared entirely, or they work for someone that hasn't furloughed them, or they started work too late to be uh, covered by the furlough scheme. So I think it is really important that we recognise that policy needs to also be responding to those people that are unemployed. So for example, when I hear discussions saying, well, we need to be offering people um, wage subsidies, they hire somebody off furlough or you know a bonus for someone that hires someone from furlough. I think that is very dangerous because the people that are going to be actually furthest from the labour market are those that have been completely unemployed uh, for a significant period. So, so that is a really important um, point to recognise. I think it's also really important for us to understand that although the virus doesn't, you know, doesn't discriminate across different kinds of incomes, actually the jobs effect of this crisis is very different across the earnings distribution is very bottom heavy like we're talking you know two three times more likely to have lost your job being furloughed if you are a low earner versus a very high earner and in fact actually the highest earners even if they are furloughed because lots of them are seeing their costs fall uh, think about people not having to pay uh, train fares or not having to pay for petrol possibly equal you know cheaper food um, actually, for lots of people, this isn't a financial crisis for them and their families yet. But for people at the bottom, they're facing much more significant economic risks. As I say, they're either furloughed or they've lost their jobs or they're looking at a labour market where the demand for their kind of skills, think about people working in hospitality, is likely to be lower, not just for a few months, but for a considerable period, you know, maybe up to two years. So, so it is a very different recession for different kinds of people. I'd also say actually for different genders. If you look at who is bearing the the risk on the health side right now, um, on the key worker side, look at healthcare, look at hospitality, look at not hospitality, sorry, look at um, supermarkets. It's very heavily female focused. If we actually look at the people that were sent back to work this week, 
uh, by the prime minister talking about the construction industry, talking about manufacturing. That is that that is overwhelmingly men. So it's been women asked to work until recently, and and now it's men being asked to go back and join them. That's a really interesting point, of course, and you play into that the whole structure of caring in the household and the fact that realistically schools schools even where some primary school classes reopen on the 1st of June in England that will still be a minority of pupils attending school so there's a whole child care aspect to this as well so the distributional impacts of the of the crisis vary very widely I, I like um one of the the chief executive of one of our our, our members Antal said said we always need to remember that it's not that we're all in the same boat it's that we're all in in different boats in the same storm and that that I think in terms of thinking about how policy to support employment and support businesses to return to growth through the second half of the year is shaped is a really uh, a, a really vital uh, point because I think the um, as you said the the oddness of this uh, crisis is we brought the recession on ourselves by turning supply off. We said people can't go to work if they can't socially distance. We said work from home. Uh, demand was suppressed by that signal. It's not like a light switch. If we switch it all back on, it is not necessarily all going to bounce. Uh, everything's not going to bounce back on in the way that, that we switched it off. And I suppose one of the big questions, certainly that we're seeing at the REC is how do we make sure as much of that comes back as quickly as possible um, when it is safe to do so? And there must be some kind of mix of government policy and business activity that that will make that work. Where do you, you sit on that sort of question, Torsten? Yeah, I think that's a really important um, for thinking about the next uh, year, possibly even longer, which is there is not there's no you know god-given size that the economy has to bounce uh, back straight to policy will determine that to a great extent and the reason that it's that it's not predetermined is if i'm a business the the one of the big uncertainties i face thinking about my planning for the next six months is that i don't know what the demand for my products is going to be um so i may be nervous about it so i'm going to face some really difficult decisions thinking how many workers and how big a capacity do i want to reopen at or do I want to go slowly, wait and see whether the demand is there and then ramp back up? And the danger is that if everybody does the second of those things, so basically takes out an insurance policy by the furlough scheme to reopen slowly, the danger is that we then have a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is if everybody opens slowly, well, then the demand won't be there. And then it, and then the danger is that we have we have kind of baked ourselves into a deeper than necessary recession, at least in the, the short term. And that is a really significantly uh, significant risk. I think that actually is one of the reasons why the government is asking employers to start making some contribution to the furlough scheme payments from August, because that will give employers a strong incentive if they can to bring workers back from furlough to do work. Obviously, it will also give some an incentive to lay off workers full stop. So it's a balancing act. If you go too slowly on that, then the risk is you end up with a deeper recession because everybody gets back to work slowly. If you go too fast, then you trigger uh, big layoffs. Now, really the way to think, uh, the ideal way to think about that is to go at different paces for different sectors. So for example, the pace you can go at the hospitality sector and asking people to contribute towards furlough costs should be significantly slower than it is in say, uh, you know, for accountancy firms or others where they should be able to get back uh, to business much more uh, readily, partly because restrictions are lifted, but also because they need to do less adjustment 
to their supply, uh, to how they actually uh, work. So I think we do need to be thinking that through. At the moment, the government is re is rejecting the idea of treating different sectors differently. I know why they're doing that for both politics of sectoral policy are difficult and also it's logistically quite hard to do but in the end they're either going to need to treat them differently in the furlough scheme in the retention scheme itself or they're going to end up handing out grants to the hospitality businesses to then hand back to the government via the furlough scheme cost so you know it swings and roundabouts but in some way we're going to need to treat sectors differently I mean, if I could draw out a theme from what you've said there, Torsten, that I think speaks to some of what we're talking about at the REC with DWP and with the Cabinet Office and others, um, I suppose it's a real push on policy becoming a heck of a lot more active in terms of how it interacts with individual companies and workers, um, thinking about encouraging companies to think over the summer and into the autumn of you know how their staffing will look in the new normal which will not be the same as the old normal we've all seen all the the the, the crippling number of hot takes there are about the end of the office but there will be some kind some kind of quite significant changes in uh in the shape of the economy from all of this that that staffing will have to adapt to meet. So there's something there about getting companies thinking about that, but also where people are looking uh, for work, finding then new paths, uh, not only people who've been displaced either already, and you know, you're absolutely right to call it the fact that unemployment has risen significantly in the last uh, month uh, or, or, or two. It's not just about the 7 million people who are on furlough, uh, but also then about uh, people who are coming into the labour market. I mean, young people are obviously particularly uh, vulnerable to this. And I think the whole piece around where is the active labour market policy that's marshalling the private sector, the kind of skills that uh, staffing companies can bring alongside job centres, the kind of, uh, whether it's a job guarantee scheme or uh, specific training and skills support, that seems to me to be of increasing importance in this environment. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a number of important points within that on on the how different sectors are going to be changing. Um, yeah, I, I think in general we should we should be cautious about, or as you say, the kind of over the top everything will change in the world of work forever because of this. Um, particularly, as you say, on the end of the office, there's a reason why offices exist. Uh, agglomeration effects mean that people bumping into each other is desirable. Uh, within the firm and being human beings also means that we occasionally would like to meet people. So even if people are enjoying working from home, I don't think that means they want to never meet another person uh, again. But clearly there's going to be some increase in home working for higher earners and professionals. And that's just basically continuing a trend we can see over the course of the last 30 years where over time it's less actually that people move to full, fully move to home working. It's more a greater number of people spend some days a week working from home. That's the big so that's the significant trend that's going on and it's you know that's likely that will be uh, turbocharged on the on the sectoral differentiation i think one thing that is reasonably hard not to happen is that we're going to see in the short term we have a reason to have a smaller hospitality sector basically because you know if, if restaurants will not be able to deliver the same volume of output and they will have also smaller um customer base that probably means a combination of higher prices but also fewer restaurants and um uh, less staff, so I see less people working in, few people working in hospitality. I think the retail sector, insofar as what this is really doing, is speed is bringing to a head 
um, decisions for some businesses that were already looking like they were on a decline path, then it may it may you know prove a crunch point for bits of the high street. We've seen that with Carluccio's and a few other uh, chains already. That is continuing a trend right back to kind of 2002, 2003, which is the decline of the retail sector as a share of employment. Um, and that is a big public policy challenge, not just about um, the people that work there. It's more actually to do with what that does to places, the feel of places. You know, when we've done focus groups, or even if we actually do them with retail workers, their biggest anxiety is actually to do with what the decline of their high street does to their pride in the place they live, how it makes them feel. And actually, that is by far their biggest concern. You know, they're, they're in general quite confident they can find another job, although traditionally that has been in hospitality. So declining retail outside of food, declining hospitality in the short term, but not in the long term, i.e. in 10 years time, I don't think the hospitality sector is permanently smaller because of uh, this. Um, and then I think on the dynamics, it's also really important, again, to think about, well, how is this recession different to previous recessions? And this will matter for the world of agencies. So in previous recessions, the people that have kind of the sectors that have been the big employers in the labor in the recovery that have soaked up labor have actually been those retail and hospitality sectors that are the most affected today so if you look at the financial crisis um non-food retail plus hospitality was only 10 percent of the workforce but they were hiring 20 percent of the people that left unemployment so they were doing the job of pulling people back into work that isn't going to happen this time and other sectors that are more capital intensive won't be able to create jobs at the same kind in the same way and for the same people and also in the same you know the good thing about hospitality and retail is they're everywhere to some degree so i do think we need to be thinking carefully about you know rather than just assuming everyone flows back into a different sector of the economy you've got to think hard about what are the barriers to that happening on the kind of time scale that we care about because again like everyone again talks about these v-shapes but even in the financial crisis when as i said unemployment wasn't as bad as we expected unemployment went above 7% and stayed above it for a full 5 years so it stayed it, you know we do not you do not get like unemployment tends to go up fast and fall very slowly that's what's happened in almost every recession both in the UK and around the world and i don't i don't think we should be taking for granted that we're going to buck that trend this time that's absolutely right and obviously the the pace of recovery and the uh, after the financial crisis was affected by the growth rate but you had that kind of soak up capacity you mentioned i remember the chief executive of one of our major supermarkets uh, saying to me at a cbi meeting you know the government can have as many cabinet meetings at, uh, at rolls royce as it, as it likes but most people work for me and the other big three uh, big three four supermarkets and it is i i do think there's coming out of this and I think you've almost seen it in the way that the trade unions and the business organizations have played their hand in this period I, I I think government is coming back to some much more serious it's having to come back to much more serious thought about our economy as it is and as it will be if you're a you know, an agency thinking about the future I think a lot of that is about you getting close to your clients and understanding the decisions they're going to make and which skills they're going to ramp up on and which skills, frankly, aren't coming back. But I think this place angle is also really important because um, if you look at towns in particular, there is a very substantial uh, amount of employment that sits in sectors that are high human contact and therefore have been highly uh, affected by this but which are also traditionally towards the lower end of the uh, income scale um, and are affected by public policy, for instance, and 
the national minimum wage. There's a real challenge there if you look at uh, the value that people are seeing in these jobs now, which you know, you know, I have an inveterate hatred of anyone, any any statement of the idea that um, low wage equals low skill, uh, because uh, you only have to look at what care workers do to understand that that is not the case. Um, but if you look at some of the public policy that needs to take place now, some of the tools which we've we've used liberally over the last few decades probably still need to be used but used differently i mean i think about things like minimum wage policies particularly the link to uh welfare policies skills development how do we help people who are coming out with with no qualifications at 16 from from secondary schools at a time like this those are all really big questions and it, it almost calls for some kind of um structured plan for for uh, for uh, the recovery doesn't it that would definitely be a good idea and in particular the point you raised there at the end about this is a very very bad time for people to be coming out of education into the labor market we've got about eight hundred thousand people leaving education this year we've also we also look like we're going to see an increase in youth unemployment i.e people 18 to 24 of about 600,000 that is a lot of uh, people within the context of a 6% overall rise in unemployment that we're seeing in just a few just a few months so i think it is that is crucial and if you look at in you know, history it tells us that those people entering the labor market in this kind of crisis the, the effect stays with them a very long time so even graduates if they are, if they enter the labour market during a, a period of high unemployment, that lasts on their the lasting effect on their employment rate is thirteen percent, even three years later. And for non-graduates, it's nearer thirty percent. So these are huge impacts. Policy should definitely be proactively trying to shape those outcomes. They should be doing that on the education side by making sure people kind of ride out this storm by staying a bit longer in education. If that makes sense for them and it, it should also be on the labor market side you this is not something you want to just leave to the market to work its way through we need to be providing job guarantees for those young people to make sure they don't spend the first kind of two years or even a year of their experience of the labor market out of work because that is a very lasting effect and if you look at who's losing their jobs in this crisis it it is it is the number of young people losing their jobs versus middle-aged people is incredibly high it's nearly twice as as large so we have got serious issues about which ages are affected and how lasting the effect will be so if i'm summing the, this up uh torsten i think you know a lot of this is quite grim and none of us would choose to be here um but there's a uh there's a a different theme which is while it is grim and it's challenging we aren't passengers in this debate is that where you where you would uh, position it what would you know what, what would be the good the good news story that or the hopeful story that that you'd give a listener about how we get out of where we are now yeah well, that's a good way of um uh bringing it to a close which is yeah the danger of too much of how people think about economics is that things happen uh, and then we live with them whereas actually what the experience of the recent past, but actually particularly the experience of what happens to countries during recessions is that although someone is doing something to us, in this case, a pandemic has turned up, policy makes a big, big difference. It makes a, and it makes a particularly big difference inside the labour market where, um, you know, ju just leaving things to work their way through is definitely not what history shows makes a difference. We spent far too long accepting as a given the big rises in unemployment after the 80s and 90s 
recessions, policy has then done a better job uh, since then. And we need to make sure that as we go through this crisis, policymakers and businesses are focusing on making sure that this crisis does not have to be any deeper than is absolutely necessary. And that does, as you say, require concerted action. And it requires understanding that in general, the risks of doing something uh, are lower than the risks of just throwing up our hands and hoping that this works out for the best. And that's a great way to run a company in terms of, you know, the recessions are part of the business cycle. Work with how you roll uh, on your role with it, as well as thinking about policy. Clearly, at the REC, part of that is about us informing the policy uh, debate on what will work for the labour market, the same job that you do at Resolution, Torsten. But it's also about how we can help as a uh, as a sector, and that's something that we're picking up even more so now in terms of trying to reactivate some of the things we did after 0809, particularly where REC members can help rather better than, than job centres, you know, specialising in the parts of the labour market that we serve best, which I think is really important and we're really keen to support. Torsten, before we let you go, uh, remind us where uh, listeners can catch up with uh, all of the great work Resolution are doing. If you're you're a reading kind of person, then you can go to the resolutionfoundation.org and read as many reports about economic policy and coronavirus as you can stomach. And if you're a watching person, then there's a regular series of webinars uh, and events that you can either watch live and engage with on uh, the internet or that you can watch in the uh, tranquility of peace and not engaging. So uh, have a look at the YouTube channel and have a look at the website. Thanks, Torsten. It's been great to have you here on the RSC podcast. These are hugely significant issues and we can't pretend that the recession that we're currently going through, we saw the first signs of in the official data on the 13th of uh, May, is anything other than challenging. But we know that uh, recovery comes, but the economy comes back in a different shape and it's how we reshape our businesses and reshape public policy to really support uh, finding uh, great jobs for candidates and meeting their needs and helping clients to grow. That's the heart of the REC mission. And it's why we're as engaged with policymakers at the moment and uh, and with government as we are. Um, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. Do stay in touch. We'll keep producing these as we go forward. Lots of different thought leaders. If you're thinking, what's next? Well, if you like a bit more econo-nerdism, why don't you uh, have a listen to episode 11, which is me and the CBR's chief economist, Ray Newton-Smith, talking about the path into the uh, recovery. If you'd like something more business practical, Great episode, episode 14, with Bev White, uh, the Chief Executive of Harvey Nash, and Jeremy McGrail of the Staffing Group discussing running a major business in, in a time like this. Or if you if you want some thoughts on leadership, why not episode 12 with uh, Penny DeValk on uh, crisis leadership is different to ordinary leadership. So lots there to dig into. Do keep in touch. Feed us some ideas if there are things you want the pod to explore. I always look forward to hearing your views and we'll be back again soon with another episode of the REC pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.